Hello, and welcome to our latest Human Givens Ask the Expert podcast. I'm Julia Wellstead, and I'm part of the Human Givens team. Our expert today is Jennifer Broadley. Jennifer is a Human Givens psychotherapist and has private practices in Aberdeen and Dundee. She's also a trained executive and corporate coach, and she teaches two courses, Couples Therapy and How to Build a Successful Private Practice, for Human Givens College. We're delighted that she's joining us for today's podcast to talk about how you can make your private practice successful. Hello, Jennifer. How are you? Hi, I'm really, really good. Thank you. Yes, thanks for having me here. Fantastic. Thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, Well, Jennifer, you and I trained as Human Givens therapists together and really began this discussion when we were students all those years ago. Mm -hmm. And with your previous business experience, I remember you were really helpful at helping me set up my own therapy business so you know I know firsthand how valuable your expert advice is and (laughs) well thank you and as as you and I have both found being an effective HG psychotherapist and being able to help people Hmm. has to go hand in hand with running a successful practice in the business sense otherwise we aren't getting our own needs for security met so to my mind This is a vital area of knowledge for anyone thinking of starting up their own practice. And indeed, it's also useful for people already working in private practice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So to that end, we've received a lot of questions on this topic. Um, So I'll just get started on them. And perhaps as we go through, you could add in your a little bit of your history of why you chose to go down the human givens route, having been, I think, in quite a successful sort of corporate world before that so when I started I set up in private practice uh, probably 16 years ago and not in human givens but as an executive um, and corporate coach I had been working in publishing and media up until then for uh, maybe 16 years and um, I had got to a place where um, I was a brand new mum my daughter was just about to be born and I had her, I just, I was so kind of all consumed by my career as well that um, I literally took 12 weeks off after I had her and went back to work. Gosh. And really shortly after that, about three months after that, I was um, made redundant, which I look back now and I'm so, so, so grateful for because it came with a decent, I was in a, a private company at the time in publishing. It came with a decent um, payoff. And I'd always wanted to work for myself, but I'd just never known how that was going to happen. And in fact, this gave me the opportunity to to restudy. And at the time I restudied um, exec coaching. So I studied in the US with this, you know, tiny little baby. Yes, goodness (laughs) me. My goodness, I think I was crazy at the time. (laughs) And and then um, I set up a private practice on my own. And so... And maybe a couple of years after doing that, so I was living in London at the time, maybe a couple of years after doing that, I heard a, a hypnotherapist. I happened to have a friend who went for coffee with a friend of his who was a hypnotherapist and we were talking about business and running our own businesses and things. And, and he said, oh, you know, have you heard of Human Givens? And I said, I've never heard of it. And he said, oh, you should look it up. So I looked it up and I ended up in London going for a, um, for a, a full day talk by Joe. Um, Yes, that's Joe Griffin. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There were hundreds of maybe a couple of hundred people there. And I remember thinking, man, this is so aligned with what I think about 
you know, what my experience has been so far with personal and professional development um, and high performance for people corporately, but also individually. Um, and it's not overly focused on the history. It's basically about the present and we find ourselves in the present and then how do we focus on the future and what resources do we have? And if we don't have them, how do we develop them? And I was just like, this is so my language. I'm going to study that one day. <laughs> right. Then it took me about 10 years to, um, whilst I was just building my other practice, my exec coaching practice, to then come back to that intention. And, um, and so seven, eight years ago, I guess 2011, yes. 12, wasn't it? We um, met, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that, that was when I then became um, added, you know, additionally qualified myself with a human givens therapy postgrad and then set up practice very shortly after that. You've got the perfect uh, combination there of the, mm -hmm. the human givens approach and your business head. So, mm -hmm. so we'll set off with these questions, actually. Uh, yeah. First, the first one being, what are the benefits of working in private practice and what are the risks? So I think private practice can be anything you want to design it. It is your business and it can be, you know, a one day a week thing, a four day a week thing, a six day a week thing, anything you like. Um, and that flexibility probably is the biggest benefit. And it's one of the reasons I think where people choose to leave corporate and go into private practice because they want that sense of control. And um, you've, you'll have heard the phrase, I'm sure that people don't leave businesses, they leave managers. So when it's someone is uh, in corporate and being, uh, I don't want to say badly managed, but I'm just going to say badly managed. Uh, so <laughs> overly managed, maybe. Overly, overly or underly managed or just too, too controlling. And, and it, it, um, it just doesn't feel right for grown-ups to be managed like that. Um, and over time, that becomes tiring and exhausting and damages self-esteem and all of those things. And, you know, I think everyone somewhere has a secret intention that they would love to set up something on their own, whatever it is. You know, whether it's your private so I, practice or your yes. shop or your, you know, your flower shop or whatever the thing is that you want to do or a consultancy or. I guess it's answering our need for volition, you know, one of our essential needs, of course. Yeah. Completely for control. Exactly. And so that's the major benefit of working in private practice is that you get to make your own decisions. Often those decisions are faster and there are risks. Um, and the risks are the number one risk that most people are going to think of is how do I finance that? For me, when I first set out, I remember in the exec coaching practice, I thought, oh, how hard can it be to match my salary? I'll, I'll do that within the first six months. And it took me four years to match my corporate salary with my private practice. But actually, after that, what I found was once I had all the foundations in place, and that's the huge thing is if your foundations are solid, your systems, the processes that you put in place for intake, for uh, managing your clients, for letting them go, and then for having it easy for them to get back in touch with you if they want to in the future, all of those things, um, you know, keeping your profile raised so that people know what type of therapist you are and what your specialist areas are, if you have a specialism, all of those messages, the clearer they can be, um, the clearer you will get, you'll attract your ideal client to you. Yes. Um, so the risks, are, the risks are financial, but actually... Anything I think that's worth doing is going to have a risk attached to it. And some of that, you know, some of that is that there is a massive mindset piece to setting up on your own. And um, so if you think it's just about mastery um, and am I brilliant at what I do? Yes, it's partly about that, but it's also about mindset. Mm -hmm. Right. So you and by that you mean having the confidence or having the foresight yeah. what what do you mean well, by I think, mindset yeah, i think confidence is one i think um because most of us are not raised 
entrepreneurially, unless you have a model somewhere in your family, your mum or your dad or your grandparents or aunts or uncles who have run their own businesses, most people come from a background where their parents or their models are salaried. And so this sense that, is it possible for me to do that? Is it possible for me to run my own business? Yeah. And is it possible for me to run my own business and make it successful? Because one of the biggest myths is that for, for salaried people who are saying, oh, that's, it's a massive risk to do that. And there's a huge amount of fear attached to people going out on their own. But you know, our, as, as you well know, our brains are massive pattern matching machines. So we will find the answers if we, if we commit to the outcome and you commit to the journey and you build resilience into the, your model and just say, look, I, I am going to get there. I am going to find a way. Yes, and our brains love to rise to a challenge, of course, and have something to do. And also when you're going through a really tricky patch where you're just going, oh my gosh, um, I'm not getting the right number of clients in, the finances are not coming in, what am I going to do? That's when you get resourceful. Um, and, And all of that is part of everyone's individual setting up their own private practice journey in the same way that nobody has an identical corporate career Um, nobody really has an identical setting up their own business model either. We can kind of give you a a general guide. This is how you can do it. Here's some things that have been successful for me. But I think every, and this is the lovely thing about being a business on your own, everyone makes it, you know, no two websites are the same, no two messaging is the same, um, no two ways that you manage your clients are the same. And there's a reason for that. Yes. And that's something we'll come on to, but I, I know what you mean. We're unique. And if we can portray our uniqueness in mm-hmm. our in our material, then people know, you know, the, the, the person looking for a therapist can, to, can have a much better idea of who you are and whether they want to choose you. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's all to do with character and tone and, and really recognizing who it is that you love to work with and what your clear, clear message is. The clearer you can be with that, the clearer you're going to attract the right clients that you yes. love to work with. So bearing that in mind, uh, the next question actually is, um, well, how do I know whether to go it alone or not? Which I think you've kind of answered. Mm -hmm. Um, But should I do any market research? Which I suspect the answer to that is probably yes. But if you could expand on that. Or or maybe not. (laughs) I can save you the the problem of doing market research and just say um, there is no lack of need for great therapists in the UK right now. And that's all you need to know is that private mental health supply in the UK is absolutely needed. One adult in six has a common mental health disorder. So that's about one in five and one in eight, one in five women and one in eight men. Wow. And like mixed anxiety and depression is the most common mental um, disorder in Britain with about seven, between seven and 8% of people meet, meeting criteria for diagnosis. So there's lots and lots of people out there who are, um, who, who need us anxiety and depression yeah so yes. you can do your marketing if you like but there's no doubt about the fact that there is a need for really great effective efficient um, knowledgeable mental health um, supply out there it's just a matter of can I get my message to the right people who need it yes but I tell you, I yes. tell you something else though, Julia I think the most difficult thing in the UK is that um we have, because we get the, the National Health Service, which is amazing, because that is a, um, a service that's out there and we've, this generation have grown up with it all their lives. It was started in the 1940s, wasn't it? But it's, yes, 47, yeah. Yeah, so maybe 
three or four generations down the line, five generations maybe down the line from there. And I think now we just accept that health, um, a treatment for health should be something that we have access to. It's like, um, it's like a right that we have that. And yes, I see where you're going with this. So people are paying for something is suddenly a different... It is. Yes. yes. And, and so you, you'll notice what you hear, um, if you hear any news reports, you're noticing all the time that people are saying that NHS is overwhelmed with um, mental and emotional health demands. Um, they're not meeting those demands effectively. Yes, they've got effective um, treatments, some effective treatments within that, but the overwhelm for it is huge. And so certainly here in Scotland, and I know it's very much worse in, in the south of England, you know, we've got... Um, NHS trusts where you were waiting up to six months and in some places up to 12 months to be seen by a counsellor or a therapist if you stick with the NHS route and in the meantime Gosh. you're medicated you can you, know, you can take your that's a, that's a long time life. isn't it a yeah. long time when actually if you come and see someone who really knows what they're doing that could be resolved in you know three four sessions sometimes yes and actually interestingly a lot of people choose to go private if, if they need a hip replacement or something exactly. that's that also has a long waiting list so that you know the precedent is there really it's just our expectations and i think that's a really good example so so if you're saying well can you handle this hip pain for the next six months and someone's going no do you know what it's absolutely debilitating it's affecting my work it's affecting um, my, I can't exercise anymore. I'm grumpy at home. You know, my marriage is suffering or my relationship is suffering. My children are not getting the best version of me. This is an, this is an identical conversation that you could be having if someone has, is suffering from ongoing anxiety or depression. Yes. So the same question is, do you want to, can you ha handle this pain for another six to 12 months? So it's just linking that actually then maybe you need to go private and private therapy is not, it's not a huge investment. You know, you're not, it's not a huge investment like going private for getting a hip replacement. Do you know what I mean? Uh, it's, absolutely. Yes. So it's not, it's not the same size of investment. So when we position ourselves like that and confidently stand in that space, you're much more likely to be able to encourage people to come and see you. Yes. Yeah. And actually that's the, the next question is pertinent to that. Uh, given that there are a lot of therapists already mm -hmm. in private practice, how do I make myself and my practice stand out from the competition mm -hmm. well I, th I think Jennifer what you've just said is this that there's no shortage of clients out there but even so it's it's uh, how do we make ourselves stand yeah. in that space I like that the way yeah. you said that so yeah. I think so I think there's a couple of things there um, the first is that when it when you have data to back up what you're saying I think I think that's really important so if you can say um, human gives is effective in this way then it's like it's the same way that you would make any other choice if you're saying um, there are 100 cars over here but these cars operate at this level um, these cars are available in this color and um, these cars can tow trailers and boats if you want yeah. them to then people can look and they can go right well i do need one in that color and i do need to be able to tow, tow a boat behind it then you know where to go and this is a similar thing so we have to be able to say why our therapy makes a difference in a way that others don't um, but also, um, but also, be very clear um, who your ideal clients are if you want to have a set of people that you want to work with. So if you say, look, I can I can work with people who are suffering from depression, anxiety, panic attacks, trauma, phobias, whatever the list is. Um, but I specialize in working with teenagers. Yes. Then people go, oh, I get it. So I could go to anyone, 
but Jennifer specializes in working with teenagers or I specialize in working with people with um, eating disorders or I specialize in phobias then that that can be that's really clear and then yeah. people can filter out going well if she's a specialist or if he's a specialist that makes sense and I think our, I think our human givens institute website has that search facility doesn't it in the therapist register totally I think, yes. I think I'm right in saying yeah yeah. Totally, yes. But also, here's the thing. I think, and, and I'm probably biased in saying this just because, you know, human givens is what I do. Um, but there, there is a specialism itself in being human givens trained. And so there are certain results that you can get knowing what you know as a qualified HG therapist that perhaps some other forms of therapy might not be able to get so fast or so effectively or so long term yes. with such long term underpinning fundamental changes for yeah. a person so that has a value and, when and i think again our sorry to interrupt you our research there's a research uh site uh with within the human givens institute website isn't there so we can we have got the research to back that up now yeah and so look at that and get the stats and then put those put the statements that you can take from there on any of your communications on your website, on your counseling directory site, um, in your Google ads, if you're doing that. Um, so any of those things um, should be able to have a couple of sentences in there about why your therapy is different. And that allows people to go, oh, okay, well, I kind of need that. And because it's really difficult for people to filter out the difference between CBT therapist and, um, you know, all the other, other oh, types. Of yeah, absolutely. I mean, coming at it from the uh, perspective of someone who's depressed and anxious, it must be very difficult to troll through, you know, how am I going to find myself a therapist in Aberdeen or Edinburgh or London when there are so many people advertising? Oh my gosh. And the thing is as well, Julia, that, you know, when you're depressed or anxious, who knows what the difference is between cognitive and behavioral therapies or psychoanalytic, exactly. or psychodynamic therapies or humanistic therapies or... Yes art therapies or you know equine assisted or integrative like I don't know what those are do you know what I mean and I'm in the yeah. industry yeah. so and, and it's, it's similarly people don't know generally what human givens is so you must stay away from the chit chat about what how you're qualified and focus on the results that you can get or the results that you intend for the people that have got so you're trying to link a pain a difficulty with an outcome with a That's solution yes. what we're doing in yes. our tech in our text when we're writing our marketing is is saying if you if you feel pain like this and you want an outcome like this then you need to then come and talk to me about it yeah come and enroll come and you know come and sign up with me and and book in for a session uh -huh. yes fantastic okay uh, now the next one is um i think something again you might you've sort of answered but should i market myself as a specialist in all areas a specialist in all areas <laughs> that would be a generalist <laughs> or should I stick to a niche area which has high demand it, it, totally up to you I mean it's totally um, you just have to do whatever you most love so you know follow your bliss and if you <laughs> find that I would say most people who are coming out with um, human givens uh, diplomas We'll start off as a generalist, but you know, it might take a couple of years and then you'll find, you know, I really love working with in this one sector or, yeah. um, you know, I love working in, um, you well, know. with adolescence is a, is yeah. a key one. Or I, with, yeah, yes. Or I mean, personally, I find, I find that I, I loved being a generalist actually, yeah. because mm -hmm. what I found with the human givens approach was whatever 
came through the door, whoever mm. came through the door, the human givens approach could deal with it. Completely. Because it's such a good comprehensive framework. Yeah. So uh, I quite liked that. Mm. I wonder what's coming this time sort of feeling. Totally. Um, yeah. Totally. But I could see also it's, you know, I, we, we both know people who have specialized in maybe self-harming or addictions or children or couples, of course, families. Yeah. yeah. And, and ultimately, you're right. If you, if you go down the generalist line, which I've done too, I mean, I do have clients that I, you know, would slightly prefer working with than others, but really not to any significant level that I would specialize in that area. But fundamentally, the people that are coming to see you are feeling stress or anxiety or out of balance because one or many of their needs are not being met healthily. That's the bottom line of it all. So once we're focusing back on that and saying, how do I get there? You know, how am I? how can I support them in getting those needs met healthily? Firstly, educating them about their needs and, and then getting those needs met healthily and holding them accountable for, you know, taking action, um, making that as easy as possible to do by doing your guided imagery with them at the end of a session, then, then that's how, you know, that's how you help to the very best of your ability. Absolutely. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because how, how the distress manifests itself is, is one Thing. but as you say it's it's all comes down to getting our needs met and what mm-hmm. need isn't being met or needs aren't being met yeah that's it absolutely but also if you choose to specialize if you choose to and it might just sometimes your niche finds you do you know what I mean so sometimes you oh go, that's very true as well what? yes and then yes. all of a sudden people go well why have I just had five eating disorder clients come to see me in the last you know in the last month and the fact is because the first one that you dealt with um, five months ago was so effective that the parents told those parents and the parents told those parents and actually your niche finds you and then you go okay well okay I'm gonna yeah I can I can position myself like this if you like so you don't have to know all the answers before you set out sometimes you know you're just your whole practice just unfolds the way it unfolds and you can you know embrace some of that or reject some of that as you feel you want to because yeah. it's your business yeah Mm-hmm. I think I just missed a question, actually. I'm going to go back to it. Okay. Um, I'm planning to set up a private practice in my home. Hmm. Is this a good idea or is it better to find an external space? Oh, do you know, I think it's just recognizing what facilities you have. So if you have, so I, I haven't run a private practice from my home. I do it a little bit now. Um, but mostly I've gone with hiring, either leasing a whole room or set of rooms by myself for a certain for a certain amount of time or renting rooms in other private practices which is what I do now I think it's totally okay to run um, your practice from your home um, the reason I haven't done it has is mainly around location and having the having a space in my home that I feel comfortable seeing clients in and the fact is for me I just like to keep my home and um, my, my business separate because I've run my business for 16 years. And so although I have a, a home office, I don't see clients in my home office, yeah. um, but it's entirely up to you. And if that's what you have to start with, if you have a space in your house or an area in a room um, or you know a landing area that you've converted with a couple of chairs and whatever into your practice space, then just start with what you have as long as you feel comfortable there. Yes. Um, I think the thing, especially about home, is just is just the safety element of it, um, um, and just be prepared with a couple of, you know, we we talk about this a little bit in the on the building your successful practice course, but.
but just have a couple of safety me mechanisms set in. There's an app you can use. Um, you know, sometimes we talk about having a big pair of men's shoes at the front door, um, maybe leaving a, a TV or radio on in another room quietly with the door shut so that um, there's an awareness that there's someone else in the house, even if there isn't. Um, and, and then always sitting yourself closest to the door that you can leave by if you want to. But to be fair, huh. in seven years of seeing hundreds and hundreds of clients, I haven't had a safety issue yet. Yeah. And I, I, I concur with that. I've, I've yeah. never felt unsafe with anybody. No. But you're right. I, I never did do any of those things yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that yeah. you've just told me. <laughs> <laughs> but I never felt unsafe. I started off using rooms in other people's mm. uh, uh, in sort of multi practices yes. and ended up when I moved flat, there was a room that was just perfect for therapy. So I used that. And, uh, yeah, and so in many ways, it's so start. much more convenient mm -hmm. uh, because, and then if, if the client needs to change the time slightly or something, it doesn't matter quite so much, but there are definitely pros and cons to each, I would say. There are. And now, so, so last year I did a, you know, the last two years I kind of did a crazy project just for myself to say okay let me go where the need is so I'll, I have um, a private practice in Aberdeen so I see clients two days there but I also had a practice in Dundee where I, um, I saw clients on a Monday I had a practice in Edinburgh where I saw clients on a Wednesday there's a town that's really quite near me and I had just a Monday evening I saw clients there. <laughs> so I, did I remember that Jennifer you seem to be on the road all the time that was, was the crazy. yes I was getting up at like five o'clock on a Wednesday morning to go, right, I'm just going to go see my Edinburgh clients. And you know what? It was fine because it, financially it justified it. And I wanted to just check out, okay, what does full practice look like for me? Can I get it all in one city or is there a demand in these other places? And um, so I've, I've, I did that test. It, it actually worked financially, um, but it didn't work from a balance point of view for me for you, yes. when played out long term. And so I shut three of the four of them down. Um, in the middle of last year and um, so I now just have my Aberdeen practice two days a week Tuesday and a Friday and and actually I've made that work financially really interestingly um, I'm probably matching the finances on two days a week as I was on four or five four and a half days a week wow um, isn't that interesting yes so yeah, it's efficiency I, I just decided you know what let me just change the model and the structure of how I'm doing this yeah. and um, and some of that is what we talk in detail about um, on the, you know, creating your successful practice, but it's probably too much to go into here. It but, is, uh, isn't it? We've got a, quite a few more questions to go okay. as well, but I, I can see that there's the, the nitty gritty of how mm -hmm. to make your practice most efficient is probably, uh, you know, that, that that's, that's going to be on your whole day course rather than yes, in yes. this one hour chat. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but anyway, this is very good at touching on the subjects and uh, making people aware of uh, all the different aspects of mm -hmm. running your own practice. So, and here's a very key one. I'm, I'm unsure what price to charge my clients. How much is too much? And I would actually add to that, how much is too little? Uh, because I started off charging too little. And one of my very early clients, actually, as he was leaving, said to mm. me, you're cheap and you're good. And wow. I, I actually put my prices up the next day. <laughs> so, Good for you. Because he um, said he almost hadn't come to me because I was too cheap. So, well, you know, we've got, that's, that's a thought, isn't it? It is the key thing to remember because, so if you get me onto the subject of money, I could just, like, I, because here's the thing. We're not, you don't set up in business to, um, to give away 
your high level of skills and talents and an ability to change someone's life. So you're not setting up a business to give that away. And you haven't invested between six and 15,000 pounds, whatever, you know, whatever courses you've done and whatever you've committed to. And the, you know, the travel that you've done and the time commitment that you've had and the staying in hotels and the paying for the course and the doing your study and all the hours invested to go and charge 30, 40, 50 pounds an hour. Yeah. It's like, you really have to understand the value of what you've done. Why did you do that? Why did you spend two years doing that? And then you can't recoup your money because your investment or, or make a living out of this um, because you have issues with money and issues with money is it's, it's not just a UK thing, but I think there, there are a couple of subjects in the UK that we really struggle with a healthy language around. One of them is money and one of them is end of life stuff. Do yes. you know what I mean? Talking about being getting really comfortable with saying, well, is it that stage? The same yep, thing. That's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> whole other, yeah. And so, and the thing is about money. So, so I've had people come on the course and I get it. And, and this is not, a, it's not a, um, a criticism or anything or, or putting them down, but I've heard, had people raise their hand on the course and say, um, I, like, I don't have issues with money, but I just don't like to ask for it at the end of a session. I'm going, well, that's an issue. That's a major issue. If you've yeah. just created, if I just hand you a loaf of bread and a dozen eggs and I don't want to ask you for the money for that, I am not going to be in business for very long. Yeah. So I think when you can see your product, um, uh, first there's a product. So it's a thing. It's a thing that gets people from sick to well or from challenge to functioning. So charge appropriately for that. Yes. yes. Now, and there's loads of mindset stuff that, go, that goes around this. So some of this is about, I can't charge what you can charge in London if I live in, well, near where I do, if I live in <laughs> Dundee yes. or Aberdeen or like my little town here that's uh, Montrose. Montrose, yes. I charge the same in Montrose as I do in Edinburgh. Do you know what I mean? You've yeah. got to get your head around the fact that this is not about where you're located. It's about the outcome that you're supplying for the clients that are coming to see you and, and how much skill and expertise you are offering in that 50 minutes 60 minutes 90 minutes whatever length of time your sessions are yeah and you know it takes it it helps to there's two things help actually one thing is if it does worry you uh working in a, one of those combined practices where mm -hmm. where there's a receptionist because mm -hmm. i find that very helpful to the beginning at the beginning because the receptionist took the money so and the reception was on okay. the way out so the clients just went past reception and paid as they went out yeah um once i had my practice in my own home by that stage i was quite happy to ask for the money so that was fine got used to it by then um, but the second thing is to look at what other specialists private physios chiropodists you know dentists look at how much they're charging oh and, well you know yes. we're offering a similar an equivalent service Yes, you can. However, so people, private physios, private chiropractors in, in practice have the same money issues that, that we do. So maybe it might be smart to do your own mindset work um, around money and charge appropriately anyway, because I think generally private practices charge too little. And especially well, when you're looking yeah. at something like human givens, if someone's going to charge 
um, 80 pounds for 10 sessions, not on human givens, but on another therapy in the go, it's going to be 10 sessions or 12 sessions. That's nearly a thousand pounds. But also I think <clears throat> to have someone go, oh, it's really been bad. And then just go back to that list of challenges and say, um, it's affecting my work. Uh, you know, I've been off, off work with stress for six weeks. Well, how's that affecting your finances? Yeah. It's affecting my relationship. It's affecting my relationship with my children. It's affecting my self-esteem. Now, if you can convert those things into finances, and this person's telling you this with their thousand pound iPhone sitting next to them, and, and you're saying, well, you know, what's the issue with paying a hundred pounds for a, for a session or 120 pounds or whatever the thing is that you charge? Now, a lot of this is not, it's really genuinely, I, I also have people, see, see the historic conversations that I think we have associate lots of money with greed. And actually, I don't think that's true at all. I think the, the amount of money that you're generating with your private practice is to do with service. So if we can see this not as, not as selling to your clients, but as serving your clients with the very, very best that you have, then it's not okay to charge a small amount that, that, that then at the end of the week you go, oh, how much have I got? Oh, right, you know what, I've got 400 quid. Great, well, now that you've paid for your room and you've paid for your advertising and your insurance registration now you're going home with 200 quid and you've invested you know 10 hours and that's so it's 20 pounds an hour did you really go through two years of studying and all the experience that you have to make 20 pounds an hour did you or could you do that easier somewhere else or could you put your prices up and actually what happens is when someone comes to see a hundred pounds um a hundred pounds a session therapist versus a 40 pounds um a session therapist um, their expectations are raised and they come yes. in expecting a result and, and their they commitment yes. and they come in committed yeah. yeah and so when they come in with that attitude you better serve them you better serve them to the outcome that they want yeah. which means that you offer the very you you come with your a-game yes. you can't charge 150 quid and not bring your a-game because people are going to go well that you know, that, that word will get around. However, if you charge 150 pounds and someone has got, is super committed about to get the outcome, because going, well, flip an egg. I'm invested in this. The sooner I get the results, the better. So someone who's kind of yeah, so around 50 quid at a time might be with you for six or seven or 10 sessions. And you're like, oh my gosh, I can't seem to get them to get the results. Well, because the thing is, they're not committed enough. And finances are a really simple way to get a person committed to, taking the action to, to A, understanding the principles, um, committing to the action. And it's the actions in the end, the shift in what we think or do or relate or how we relate and taking the actions that we've decided from our therapy, from our therapeutic hour back into the life that you're living. That's the thing that's going to change that person's life. Yeah. Absolutely. And when they're committed and you've charged enough money, they're committed because you've charged enough money and they're thinking, oh, I need to get this down to a few sessions. Well, you do. And actually, as, as therapists, we want them, you know, great in, this great integrity that comes from getting someone through a set of sessions and out in the minimum number possible. Not, not, from, a, not from a tick the box speed point of view, but because from a serving point of view, you've done your job if this person can go back to their lives and operate fantastically with their family, get back into relationship, um, succeed again at work, manage their stress and anxiety every day. Um, reduce it, change their mindset around something, start to read new, you know, a new set of material, have a couple of extra tools that they've never had before that keep them having access to being the highest version of themselves that they can. Then you've yeah. properly served them. 
very interesting the and you're quite right i've seen that within my own practice the 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 higher cost mm-hmm. brings higher commitment and an energy to get things sorted quickly and that benefits there's nothing worse as you and i know uh that than a, a client that you just don't think is quite committed and therefore nothing's quite happening and they're not taking your suggestions on board and things totally um, i used to have this um one of the practices that I had was a contra deal with a, a charity that was set up in um, uh, that's set up in uh, around the country. But I used to I used to see their clients. I used to borrow a room for them for a day, um, and the contra deal was that they they would send me a client. Um, they were allowed to send me a client a week. Um, in, I see. That's so part, of, part of the room rent sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So yes. It's just this contra deal we set up. Yeah. And it was a really nice room and um, I saw my private clients there, but this, this um, charity, which was an amazing charity, by the way, would send their, their clients to come and see me. Now these clients didn't pay anything. So I was seeing these clients who were in greater need than my private clients, um, as far as their lives being super, super, super challenged. My ability to use the same tools that I'm using with people that are paying 90 pounds a session at the time, um, it, it was was it was minimal, mm-hmm. so I could not get these young people to. Um, they weren't. They weren't. They uh, just weren't committed. Weren't buying into it. Yeah. No, yeah. because they didn't have to. Even if they paid a token gesture, even if they paid five pounds or ten pounds themselves, it would have been you know as a percentage of what they earned, it would have been um, something that acknowledged that they saw that this hour had value. This wasn't everyone, by the way. There were maybe. For I was sure. To one in one or two in ten that yes. were, that literally turned their lives around incredibly because they were so in pain, yeah. emotionally in pain and, and um, mentally in pain, um, and some of them continued to not take the action that was required. But actually, if you look at that compared with the the clients who were paying fees, the clients who were paying fees were were getting results all over the place yeah. just because they're like, well, I'm not paying this money and not and not doing what the expert says you know, doing what the professional says. Very good. I'm sure you go into that in much more detail as well on your Mm -hmm. whole day. Um, The next few questions, I'm just going to sort of pop into one. So uh, bear with me. How important is branding and marketing for Mm -hmm. a small business? Uh, What are the best ways to promote a private practice? Mm -hmm. What style of marketing should I focus on? Social media, writing articles, perhaps radio, creating Mm -hmm. videos, podcasts, or even uh, leafleting the old-fashioned way so those those together would be I think all one yeah. question so I think this is this is huge for people setting up in private practice um, the mastery is 50% of running a successful private private practice being skilled at what it is that you do but if you think the mastery is enough then you're, you're going to be hugely mistaken. So I see this happen a lot is that someone will say, well, I'm a qualified human givens therapist, but I, or I'm a qualified something. And I just, but I just can't get clients to come and see me. So I found this course, which means I can do a master's in this, um, in this subject area. So I'm going to be even more qualified in this area. And you go, oh, that's great. How's your marketing going? Oh no, no, I haven't done that. I'm going to finish this. I'm going to become super, super qualified. Super qualified. And then like, but you haven't told anybody yet so they go and get super 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 qualified and then you've got this massively super 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 qualified person who still has no clients and the reason you have no clients is because you haven't you're not telling people you're not handing business cards out you are you haven't got presence on online and it doesn't take a lot to do that i like to genuinely 
I would say you could probably get your first three or four clients in a week without having a website, without having leaflets, if you just follow a few simple, like really simple strategies. Now we go into a lot of these on the day. Mm, is it important to have branding? If you think branding is a website, I think it's, I think it's reasonably important to have a one pager up at the very minimum. Yes. And that one pager is basically a leaflet. It's like an yeah. online leaflet. Yes, it's an online All leaflet. All you have is um, an email address for them to contact and a phone number. And so a really simple message about what it is that you do and the problems that you solve. Yes. Don't as, you, as you said earlier, yes. I think more than one page is too much. Yeah. I mean, you can, if you've got time or you're really skilled in that area, you can, but don't do it as a way to avoid asking for business. Mm. Do you see what I mean? So people go, oh, I can't do, and I can't go and um, speak to those people about the fact that they're, you know, all eight of them are suffering from depression because I haven't got my website up yet. You go, what's that got to do with your website? Yes. You know what I mean? And people go, well, I haven't got the right words then. I'm, I'm just changing this paragraph and that heading. And you're like, well, we're just going to tell them that actually you have a solution for their depression. And if they come and see you, um, you know, they can book in at this time. You've got free space on a Tuesday at this time. And um, yeah. do they just want to book a session, a first session? Not a I think, again, putting, <laughs> the, putting the hat on of someone who's depressed or anxious, yeah. having to look through a website with lots of moving images and fancy oh, things is not, not what you want. No. You so, want a so simple really, message. The, inf the information you need is, um, is usually on the first place. If you have got a website, I recommend having a picture you know, some, a really well done photograph of you on the first page. Now you can get that done for, you know, at a photograph studio, they'll do your makeup and, and stuff. You can get that yes. done quite simply in a day for under a hundred pounds. As, as I know, because you made me go and do it. Thank you very much. <laughs> and it yes. does make a difference because when, it does. <laughs> when you're scooting through counseling directory or hypnotherapy directory or whichever directories you're on, um, it's really important when you see people who have got a photograph of themselves on a, you know, in their, in their sitting room or a floral chair or, you know, out walking in the wilderness with a tree behind them or something like that. It doesn't really say I can, it doesn't really say I'm going to do what I say I can do. I'm here to help in you. In the text here. I'm professional. Mm -hmm. I can get a result for you. I'm not messing around. And by the way, I'm going to charge appropriately. So, so take a little bit of time to get a, a decent couple of photographs that you can use on the front page of, of your website and on any other directories that you're on. Um, and just make sure that you're aware of what that photograph says to you. So I would recommend something, you know, a clean, crisp shirt, if that's who you are. And if you're, if you've got, yeah, just... Looks look like, like you look like you mean business. Looks yes. Like you mean it. Yeah. And so on the yeah. website, you need that um, a little bit about what you do, and a really easy way for people to contact you. So normally, people are going to email or phone. Most people, in fact, I, I, I hardly get people phone me anymore now. The, it, some of them text, "Hi, are you a counsellor? Can you help?" You know what I mean? And then, yeah. and then you, um, um, I normally try and shift that to email as quickly as I can because I know that ultimately, once a person has signed. Um, has got a session booked in I'm going to need to email them my startup information yes and, yes. That, and that and that is something uh, there's a question coming on about this but mm -hmm. the 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 initial information is something you can pretty much have ready to send should be standard, may, may, standard but maybe yeah. with a bit of uh, personalization at the beginning is what I yeah that's do. what I do so I have one sentence at the beginning to say that can be changed and everything else is standard. And I think there's a, a time and a date thing, like four paragraphs down that I change the time and the date to say, you're now booked in for 
9 9 a.m till 10 30 p.m or 9 a.m till 10 p.m on tuesday um and then hopefully not that long jennifer 9 a.m to did i say 10 30 p.m yeah <laughs> that's value for that's a long you've session got you've got 13 hour session coming up you're <laughs> that's not gonna work no so like you've got a 60 or 90 minute session yeah um and, and that goes on your startup information so when i book someone in i send them um a startup email and that really um have, is a standard email um where i copy from a word simple i copy from a word document it's got about six or seven paragraphs in it and then i attach a client intake form on there and that's just got what is your name your address who's your doctor what did you go last go and see your doctor for it's got those sort of information um and on that form as well i'm asking them about their physical health stuff what do they want as an outcome of coming to see me that's the most important question i want to read i'm going yeah. right what is what does this person expect when they come to see me so that i can begin to think all right and then and then i send them also so i send them a startup email which has this client intake form attached and then i send them a link to a short questionnaire which measures which is done in a, a piece of software called Pragmatic Tracker. Most of you, I think, in human givens yes. will have heard of that. So it just measures, um, it's outcome measures. And I always measure at, before a client comes to see me what level of anxiety they're operating at, are their emotional needs being met healthily, and then I'm, I measure, I send them a, a trauma measurement as well. So I just want to know, are they suffering from trauma? Um, or is there a traumatic event that might be affecting how they think and feel? So then I know that already by the time they come in. And also, if they're not suffering from trauma, I don't ever measure that again. But I would usually, each session, measure their, um, at, at the very minimum, are their emotional needs being met healthily? Yeah. Um, and their anxiety as well. Because when I can see that that's changing, then the results, you know, they might say, oh, I feel a lot better. But if I can say, you were in the red zone and now you're in the green zone, and I can show them that as well, they go, oh my God, that's amazing. That's yes, amazing. the visuals are very important, I think. Uh, showing yeah. people how things have changed. So I said those two things at the very beginning yeah. and um, and I do that as standard every time and there is another thing as well um, Julia you'll have had this too I'm sure when people especially when they contact you first by email some emails are hi um, I saw your name on counseling directory and um, I've been off work with stress can you help and yep. it's got their telephone number and the email address and then so you just you know you just send that back going Thank you so much for your email. Yes, of course I can help. I operate out of um, Aberdeen on a Tuesday and a Friday. I have yes. sessions on these days, so I, I don't at all get involved in there, in, in what they've just in said. In what it is, yes, not at all. Yeah. Yep. Equally, if someone and this is not unusual, if someone says, "I suffer from depression. This happened when I was fourteen. This happened when I was twenty-one." You get quite a long email, in other like words. I get yes. Four paragraphs. Same response. Thank you so much for thank you so much for your email and for sharing so um, so much and yeah. for sharing your information. That's really helpful as a as you know it's really helpful for me to get some context. Um, I operate out of Aberdeen. Yep. I have my sessions are on Tuesdays and Fridays. Yes. And you so that. you don't engage no. in the gr in the longer no. discussion on email. Obviously, don't that would start be your therapy by email. Yeah, you've got yeah. to get them into your room to um, to really start doing what it is that you are trained to do. Yeah. Um, so don't get sucked into that no matter how you know how much you want to resolve it for them if you start to resolve it by email it's like putting a sticking plaster on an open wound it's just yeah. it's a you know you're not fooling anybody you need to get them in and, and do the proper full old yes and as as we know um 
as seasoned therapists, often what someone first says, especially in an email, isn't actually where the problem lies. They might be. Exactly. These are the yeah. symptoms, aren't they? Yes. Or, or it might even be the lighter symptoms and there might be something completely different going on mm -hmm. uh, that they ha either haven't admitted to themselves or they don't want mm -hmm. to write in the email or whatever. So if you start answering those uh, worries and problems on the email, you might be going completely down the wrong track. So it's a very dangerous thing to do. Yes, yes, totally. And so just get them into, get, do whatever you, just hold on to the system that you have. And this will just come yeah. over time. It doesn't matter if you don't do it perfectly to start with. It matters that you start. Yes. It matters that you, yes. because we're all going to refine our own processes as we go on. But if we're and doing- That's right. And the, these resources, the forums and things, I'm sure you, uh, ha have handouts on the day yeah. as well but they are there are versions of them anyway on the human givens institute website yeah uh, totally. so i have that on the day what i do um yeah but you can yeah and, and, pa and pragmatic tracker also is um is that just pragmatictracker.co.uk or can you or if you google pragmatic tracker you'll yes, find it you're going to find it yeah Absolutely. that's a very useful system website. yeah but that yeah. is a it's a super um useful system um, and it keeps, I keep all my notes in that as well, my client notes, because it's all, you know, it's all properly safety checked. And I go over that for, I go over that system just for a short section of the day, just so that people can see what it is if they want to sign up or they can, if they don't, that's fine as well. But I at least give them the option for that too. Lovely. Jennifer, there's a final question here, but I, this is a huge question. So we'll just touch on it. And then I think we need to wrap up. Are there any tools you'd recommend? So you've kind of covered a lot of this to help streamline the administration side. Perhaps that's a bit different of running a private practice. I, so I use just that, that system that I've just talked to you about. I have an intake system yeah. and it's, it's really simple. It's, um, I use that, um, that word document. I use an email. Um, and I use Pragmatic Tracker as well. And I keep all of my client notes on there too. So everything is actually held in one place. So I've got all, I know how many cases I've got open, how many clients are still, you know, the cases are open and how many closed cases I have as well. Okay. Um, but also as far as tools are concerned, if you, if you Google counsellors in your area, so imagine what someone's Googling if they want to find you. Depression, Aberdeen. Yeah, exactly. Um, yes. Or therapist or, or counsellor Aberdeen or therapist Aberdeen or yeah. eating disorders, who to see in Aberdeen, something like that. Um, and then see what comes up. So imagine your ideal client trying to find you and see what comes up. Generally, there's a couple of directories that are going to do their search engine stuff much better than you could do it. And so you right. want to be part of those, those directories. And again, yes. on the day, we go into detail about how to do that and how to do pieces of marketing like Facebook ads, Google ads, um, yeah. and, and how to do some of those things so that you can switch them on when you need more clients and switch them off when you have enough. Ah, yes. Exactly. That's very neat, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So if you say I've, I've got enough, my practice is full for this week, this month, switch them off. Yeah. Um, and and it, once you've got that really systemized, you can work with as many or as few clients as you really want to. That, yeah. this, is, this is a refining process over months and um, months and years but there should be no reason because of the demand in the UK there should be no reason why you can't have the size and the effectiveness of the practice that you want to have and presumably the other side of the admin obviously is the um, income and expenses doing your tax returns and things do you do you touch on that in your day go over all of that 
lovely. Yeah, we go over all of that. So, um, you know, when you pay your taxes, do you need to be back registered? Um, you know, the six things that you must have before you set up your practice, and none of them are difficult. You could do the whole thing in two days. So, the thing is, I think without having this knowledge, you can go, oh, I don't know that thing, and then you put it off. Yes, and it's it can off. be very daunting. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you're six months down the line. And you're giving yourself all of these, again, this is mindset. You've, you've put all these barriers in place about why you're not yet set up and you've reasoned it out for why that's okay. When actually you need to bring your skills to the market because the market really needs you. Yes. And it's another thing you could add to what, what us British people are very good at is putting something on a list rather than actually just doing it. Yes. The procrastination conversation. Yeah. <laughs> But actually, I think the more you do, the more you do, <clears throat> and the less you do, the less you do. Like the more, procrastination is a skill set. So if you if you're going to highly develop that, you'll say, well, here's the reason why, and here's the reason why, and you do need someone to bring you back to reality, and you know, hold you by the shoulders and look you straight in the face and go, look, you are a skilled psychotherapist. Yeah. People need you. Get it together. <laughs> you know, shake, shake, shake. Get the stuff done. And it's not it's hard. It's, um, you know, it's, it's, um, it's simple, but it's not easy uh, to get going. And once you realize the simplicity of it, you can go, do you know what? I can do this. Yeah. And you can design it any way you like. You can have a two-day practice, a four-day week practice, anything you like. Yes. And the joy of it is, once you are up and running, my experience is how enjoyable it is that, to help people. You know, you, you, you come away from your day with a spring in your step, having totally. made people, be, people feel better. Yeah. That's why we yeah. all got qualified in the first place, isn't it? Because something motivated us to say, I want to make a difference with other people. Yeah. You know, I want to be out there making a difference. Yeah. And actually, we need you to be out there making a difference. Yes. The world, the world needs we need, you. We need more. <laughs> yes. Oh, Jennifer, thank you so much. That's the end of our questions. Is there anything you'd like to add just before I wrap up? Um, no, well, I think, goodness me, I feel like we've covered such a lot in, in um, an hour, but obviously it's only what we can cover in an hour. Yeah. And on the day, um, running the um, Building a Successful Practice Day, you know, we've got six hours worth of, of content and um, conversation that we're having around not just the general idea of setting up your own um, private practice, but also the specific idea for you. So um, we do go into specifics about if you need something different or you want to say something different, how do you do that? Lovely. So whilst it's general in some ways, it can be very specific when you're actually sitting there and we do those six hours together. Yeah. Well, thank you, Jennifer. Uh, that's been brilliant sharing your really valuable business expertise with us today. And I've really enjoyed having our conversation. So thank you. Absolute pleasure. Now, I know you've got lots more help and advice and you've, we've said it several times. It's been impossible to cover everything today in this short podcast. Uh, so to anyone listening, if you would like to pick Jennifer's brains and learn more about how to make your own private practice more successful, do join her on her one-day course, which is the next one coming up is Saturday the 18th of May in Bristol. Mm -hmm. And you can find out about that at uh, the humangivenscollege.com site. Um, for more information about this and, of course, all our other courses, do visit that. It's www.humangivenscollege.com. Or you can call the Human Givens team on 01-323-811-690. We do hope you've enjoyed listening to our latest Ask the Expert podcast. And thank you so much to Jennifer again. 
And if you've enjoyed this and found it useful, please do share it with anyone you think might find it helpful. Thanks for listening. We hope you have a great day. Bye for now.